So we're trying to figure out exactly what we have here. It's very exciting to watch. Let's bring in Steve Phillips, former MLB GM and TSN baseball analyst. Steve, welcome. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. Good to be with you. And our pleasure to have you. Looking for a perspective here. I mean, this this run, uh, the, the month of September, absolutely stunning for the Jays. Great to watch. Does it remind you of anything you've seen in baseball in the past? You know, it reminds me of the run that the Colorado Rockies went on. I want to say it was 2007 uh, and uh, or 2008, and uh, won 21 out of 22 to get to the playoffs. To then they sweep the division series. They sweep the LCS, and then they have to wait seven days to play the Red Sox in the World Series, and they lost all their mojo at that point. And so, you know, that idea of continuing to just play and holding on to that momentum uh, can really have a benefit, and certainly the Blue Jays are feeling that right now. I mean, it was 12 out of 13 and, and 15 out of 17, and, and the offense is hitting on all cylinders, and you know, they're getting starting pitching, and if they don't, they're going to outslug the, the runs they give up. And uh, it really is remarkable. But, you know, we've seen the Oakland A's go on, you know, these kind of runs before. We've seen uh, the, the Rockies do it. And, uh, look, the Yankees won 13 straight uh, earlier this year. And that's the tale, right, to the, the lesson to be learned is the Yankees won 13 straight, and I think they're like 3-13 and 13 since then. Uh, and so yeah. it's about consistency and uh, you know, ha- having all aspects of your game rolling. And where I think the Jays have a distinct advantage and difference than the Yankees is the Blue Jays actually have pretty good starting pitching right now, where the Yankees really don't. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I'm just you know trying to find out uh, subtle differences. Um, and, and this team, obviously, you know, you would describe it as they like each other. They they play for each other. In fact, when when somebody does something, you see the next man up, or or you know the next defensive play is is sort of uh, you know a compliment to what's already happened. How unique is that? Oh, it's extremely like I, that's one of the things that I pointed to over the weekend on this team is the camaraderie that you you feel when you watch them like. They seriously root for each other, and it's not just I'm, I'm going to hug you because you scored a run and we're on the same team, but they really like each other. I mean, they celebrate each other's success. I mean, when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hits a home run and Bo Bichette's driven in, he's waiting at the plate to give him a bear hug. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is outside the dugout rooting base runners on, waving them around third himself and celebrating when they score. And, and when your stars are that engaged with everybody else, in the 22-7 to 7 game, when they take some of the stars out of the game and they stay in the dugout and root for the other guys, the, the extra guys to get at bats, get hits, get you know, drive-in runs, it really does speak that there's a connection from the first player on the team to the 28th player on the team right now, and that is, that is very unique. Let's talk about Vladdy. I mean, I think it was three or four weeks ago there were some people that were worried about, you know, the first full season if he'd hit uh, sort of an emotional or physical brick wall with his play. Well, he smashed through it. I mean, he's on a, he's on a tear here. He's in company with, with Joe DiMaggio and Eddie Matthews for, for his age group. Uh, could win the Triple Crown. Could win the MVP. Um, certainly much better than we could have predicted. Uh, is there a comparable for him? Well, you know, I mean, you start thinking about uh, Miguel Cabrera as a young hitter and Pujols as a young hitter, and, and uh, you know, you know, they they walked. I mean, Pujols certainly walked a little bit more than Vlad does, but I mean, you're, we're talking about the elite hitters in the game at 22 years old, and 
you know, what happened in August was the entire offense went through a little thing, and that's the time of year where you start to play people a second time, a third time, and the advanced scouting is, is indicating that this is what you should do to this. And then it's up to the team to make an adjustment. And, and we saw them do that. They, they were behind the fastball in front of the breaking ball. And the thing that they've done is they've gotten back timing-wise on the fastball. Uh, and they hunt fastballs during the course of the at-bat. Uh, and, uh, and that's what you're seeing right now, uh, the relentless and deep attack of this lineup. Uh, you know, I asked Buck Martinez uh, a question today, uh, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. I said, rank their hitters in order of, you know, who's the best hitter on their team. What, you know, and, and, you know, where do you rank everybody? Uh, and, and, you know, it's interesting because uh, you pro- we all probably would have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at the top, but do you do Simeon, Teoscar Hernandez, or, or Bichette, or Springer second? Then how do you line the other guys up? And, and now, right now, nobody's a better hitter than Lourdes Goriel Jr. I mean, he's hitting like 480 in the last week. He's hitting 430 in the last 15 days and 385 over the last month. Uh, and he's as hot as anybody right now. Uh, and he might have the best hair. I mean, that's the whole other, other competition. <laughs> Who's got the best hair? Is it is it Bichette? Is it Guriel? Or is it Vladdy? Like, Vladdy's got the cool hair, too. It's an interesting debate. There's a lot about this team to like, for sure. Would make an interesting composite picture, at the very least. But you touched on something that I find really uh, almost absurdly funny about this team, is that you don't want to separate them. We're talking about Vladi as the MVP in the league, but, I mean, you almost don't want to name who the MVP in the team is, because as soon as you do that, six other names come at you. It's a bit of a problem in a nice way, isn't it? I mean, they have three players that have scored 100 runs. They have, uh, I mean, Teoscar Hernandez, if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. doesn't win the Triple Crown, it may be because Teoscar Hernandez leads the league in RBIs. I mean, he's right there with Vladdy. Uh, and, uh, you know, they just, uh, it's, it's a, a really deep lineup where if you get by one guy, uh, then the next one comes up. And, and honestly, having had four boys that went through, you know, youth baseball and high school baseball and summer baseball and legions and travel teams and all of that. I mean, the Blue Jays really feel like a travel team of guys who carry their bat bags with them. Uh, and they, you know, they carry it out there. They've got the long hair. They got some swag to them. Uh, but they just, you know, show up and play and they'll stay in whatever hotel you put them up in and play in whatever field that they're going to play in. And then they'll go to the next tournament, and they'll play in that one, too. That's really what they feel like. And it's kind of like what the season has been like between, you know, Dunedin and Buffalo and Toronto and, and the moving around and staying in hotels. And, like, none of it seems to bother them because they're just playing for the love of the game right now. Nobody's, you know, look, Springer got the big contract. Simeon wants a big contract in free agency, but he plays because he loves the game. He plays, you know, with, with near perfection, uh, you know, with what he does. I mean, you know, in many ways, you know, Simeon reminds me of Derek Jeter in a lot of ways in that, you know, he doesn't always show you everything that he's feeling and experiencing. He'll say the right thing. He very rarely makes mistakes. That's why the one game where he made the throwing error at first base was so startling to me because he never makes that kind of mistake. But he always seems to have the quality of bat. He always seems to drive in the run. He can get on the leadoff and inning. He can hit a home run and drive in runs. He makes a defensive play. Uh, and there's just, there are a lot of different personalities 
but they all feel like kids playing the game, and they're doing it for the passion and love of the game. That's why they're so fun to watch. Okay, I'm going to go down a road here to sort of counter our optimism. Um, first of all, let's let's pretend that we're in the opposition dugout. Pick your team. So so let's say you're you're in Tampa Bay's uh, dugout. When you're facing the Jays, how do you how do you deal with what they're doing? Yeah, so um, I think right now the way to play the Blue Jays is to say let's keep it close and beat their bullpen. Uh, let's give ourselves a chance to win it late. Uh, now, because that's the way they've given up some runs. Now, what they've been able to do is on days that their bullpen has, has bent but not broken, their offense has come storming back. Their offense has given them margin for error. But I think that, that the key is do everything you can to keep the ball in the ballpark against them. Right? Don't, don't give up the home run ball. That's their M.O. They're leading all of baseball in home runs right now. Uh, and force them to lump hints together, and do not let the bottom of the order beat you. That's, you know, the one break you might get is, you know, not if it's Kirk, I don't think. And, you know, and, and look, McGuire and Jansen are both that good at bats at times, too. But, you know, maybe if you get the, you know, whoever's playing third base uh, on a given day, and whether it's Bravik or Espinal when he's back healthy and productive, uh, you know, can you get through seven, eight, nine? Don't let that beat you and keep everybody else in the ballpark. And not think about putting up zeros in an inning because that's where you get in trouble. Just keep it in the park and be willing to give up one run, but don't give up the crooked number because you're trying to only give up one run. And then give yourself a chance late to beat their bullpen, which, which is much better now than it was, but it's still a bit unproven. And if there's any part of their team that leaves me the element of doubt, it is that bullpen toward the back end of the game. Uh, is there actually anything that's underrated about this Blue Jays team? I think their starting pitching is underrated. I don't think people recognize they've got the best starting pitching ERA in the American League since the All-Star break. You know, the, the addition of Brios, really, and then what Steven Matz has done to get back on track after he went through a little bit of time in the middle of the season, and Manoa, I mean, the reality is you can make an argument that Hinjin Ryu is their number four starter. I mean, you could look at it like Robbie Ray, Manoa, uh, and Barrios, and then you can go Ryu, who's, who's had a couple tough outings, you know, and mixed in with, with a really good one. Uh, it, the idea that the guy that they built their team out to start with is their number one starter, maybe their number four starter, I think is a significantly underrated portion of this team. And, and in a, a series, uh, their starting pitching can match up pretty well. Now, you know, they don't have maybe the pedigree of Lance Lynn and Rodon and Giolito and, and Keuchel, but those guys aren't that much better than the Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays pitchers can absolutely outpitch all of them on a given day. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that that's really where people think, well, yeah, but, you know, they're an offense-only team. That's not really the case because of the improvements and additions to that starting rotation. Okay, let's let's fast forward. I don't like to do this normally, but I just it, it sort of I think it puts everything in perspective. So let's go into a, a playoff series. Let's assume they get through the wild card and and they're in a, a playoff series. Let's say it's a, the, the the league championship series. You get six innings out of your starters on a regular basis. Uh, what happens next is a bit of a question mark, isn't it? A little bit, but you know, I mean, Mays has done a nice job in the pen. Merriweather, I think, is going to start to emerge. And, and look, I really like Simber and Richards. Now, Richards will give up a run here and there. Simber is really a unique guy in that, you know, he could be your guy you bring in with runners on base to get the ground ball and the double play. 
Uh, you got Barucki coming back into the mix now, too. So, I mean, they have some mix-and-match options. And, you know, there's enough time left in the season for the bullpen. And, and, and look, Romano, I think, saved 14 in a row. So he's really stabilized the ninth inning, and that really stabilizes everything in front of it. So they can do it. They just don't have the same recognition of pedigree. Like, Soria is not necessarily the answer I thought or hoped he would be for them. I think he's nice to have down there as a veteran guy, but I think Richards and Simber are better options from the right side. Uh, and they've got options from the left side with Mesa and Barucki. And, and, uh, and so, you know, uh, look, I think they, they can handle the seventh, eighth, and ninth. And remember, in the playoffs, uh, the way, with this format of only five teams getting in in each league, we're getting built-in off days, two games and then an off day, two games and an off day. And, and uh, you know, what it allows you to do is use your best relievers over and over again, knowing that you're a day away from a day of rest. Uh, and so, um, and they might put, you know, who knows what they'll do with their rotation in the playoffs and which of the starters, probably Matt's right now, I would assume, might be able to be a long guy in the bullpen as well uh, and be able to handle some big left-handed bats. Okay, let, let's circle uh, the Yankees and Boston. Obviously, the Yankees have struggled 2-8, and eight, so they had that nice run you talked about in, in a bottomed-out since, and that's what baseball does. It evens things out. Boston 4-6, and six, uh, coming off a couple of losses and battling COVID, uh, now uh, tied with the Yankees in the final spot, out by a mere .001 percentage point. Uh, how do you see these two teams tracking forward the rest of the way? Well, I think they're very similar, uh, and... Uh... You know, I think that the one thing about the Red Sox is their offense seems to be more consistent than the Yankee offense that can come and go. Now, there's more bombers, big bombers in that Yankee lineup than there are the Red Sox. But, you know, the Red Sox can put up a lot of crooked numbers on the scoreboard. Uh, I don't like either of their starting pitching. Now, Garrett Cole is the best of the starters between the two teams. But, you know, he can't pitch every day. And here's the thing. We don't even know if he'll be able to pitch in a wild card game. I mean, the reality is that he may have to pitch on the last day of the regular season to secure the second wild card spot, which means he couldn't pitch in a wild card game. And so, and if that's the case, I don't like the Yankees. And, and by the same token, I don't really like the, the, the Boston Red Sox unless Chris Sale's lined up. And this is not the Chris Sale we know but the Chris Sale, who's coming back from Tommy John surgery, that it's so hard to predict each outing what his stuff is going to be like in consistency. So, uh, honestly, neither of those two teams scare me in a wild card matchup. I mean, Cole would be a tough matchup, uh, but I honestly don't believe that he'll even be available because I think they're going to have to burn him in those last three games in order to even get to uh, be in that wild card matchup. Is, is there any uh, part of your concern that would be uh, sort of focused on Seattle and or Oakland? Not really, but, I mean, look, Seattle has surprised me all year long. And um, I don't I mean, you, you look at them and think, how are they doing this? I mean, nobody's having really a career year. Kyle Seeger's a good player. Hanniger's having a really good year, bounce back, and really come back player of the year type stuff. Um, but... You know, he doesn't really strike fear in you, and he's not necessarily a big bomber at the plate, although he's, you know, he's having, what, 30 homers this year. Uh, but their pitching doesn't worry me that much, and their bullpen's good. they got some good arms, but they seem to me to be a team that you can score on early. And for Oakland, they're really struggling right now. They're, their starting pitching has struggled. Um, you know, they're not 
the, the, the young guys haven't taken that step forward this year on the mound. Montas has been pretty good, but the others not so much. Cole Irvin, I like some, but he's young and inexperienced. So uh, I don't like either of those teams like I like the Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays are the best of the lot. Uh, and and even have a chance that if they get in uh, and they win the wild card game, that they still match up quite nicely in that first round against Tampa Bay, who they'll likely end up playing since they'll have the best record. Steve, let's close on this. Let, let's assume that Vladdy wins the Triple Crown. Is he your MVP? Well, you know, here's the thing. I don't think he's going to win the MVP, and – uh, it would be, what, I think the fifth time that somebody has won the Triple Crown and not won the MVP. Uh, and it seems hard to believe. But, you know, for Shohei Otani, the, the, you know, the argument to be made for him isn't is, is, this, is he the best player this year. It's just, is this the best season of the history of baseball? That, those are the arguments that people are making for him. And I get it. I mean, listen, he's driven in 94 runs. He's got 44 home runs. And he struck out over 120 guys. I mean, he's, you know, and, and it's so unique and so different that I don't know that there's, that anybody can separate enough with the offensive numbers from him to overcome the pitching numbers that he's been able to accumulate. So I honestly don't believe there's anything that Vlad Jr. is going to be able to do, even winning a triple crown, that will get him uh, the MVP award. And it's a shame. I mean, it's a crying shame uh, that at 22, he's putting up this season. But what Otani is doing is so unique that uh, I don't see baseball writers getting around that. Steve, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. No, my pleasure. Anytime.